like to welcome you back to the Hope Podcast. We're glad that you're you're back. You've downloaded us, and and you are listening wherever you might be. We are happy to also be back in studio. Um, I'm back here with my dad, Jim. Dad, we are so we've had our cup therapy. We are in Michael Phelps shape, and we are ready to go for this episode, aren't we? Yes, we are. We are feeling. We have our purple Olympic. dots all over our, uh, you know, muscles, and yeah, we're we're feeling rather Olympic today. We're we're feeling Olympic. We're in gold medal form. Yes, we hope. Mm. Uh, yeah, we're ready to go. How are you? I'm doing fine. Good. And yourself? Good. I'm I'm all right. Did you you've been following the Olympics? Uh, Somewhat. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. Last night, uh, your mom and I we got home from a meeting rather late, and um, just to let you know, my mom, your mom knew that I was watching the women's beach volleyball competition. We're okay. glad to see the U.S. win. The Swiss really gave them a hard time. They did. They took the uh, first set or second set of second that one? set. In fact, one of the Swiss the young lady the lady as she fell she snapped her neck oh we did i did see that 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 looked pretty painful yeah and she as we say she gutted it out she gutted it out but they didn't win no, no. It was, that would have been a terrible storyline if the americans have never lost pretty much would have <laughs> yeah, lost that yeah they had to give she had to take the whole five minutes to uh to recover and so. uh yeah i've been enjoying the swimming and all that mm-hmm. but we're we're in studio, and maybe we'll get back to some of the Olympic discussion with our special guest. And uh, I know this guy really well. We are happy to have Mr. Reverend Brent Kilman with us today. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah. I'm uh, recovering a little bit from a cold, so if I sound a little congested, I apologize. Yeah. No, we're we're glad to have you here. So. Well, that gives you that deep that deeper voice, you know. It's, it's we good all, as a pastor, you yeah. should always be overcoming a cold in some sense yeah. and have that. Well, we all say it the Lord voice. Right. We all covet. That's the one thing we covet that's not that bad. <laughs> right. At least not in my book. I don't read it that, that in the Bible anywhere. So. <laughs> good to have you here. Yeah, it's good to have you here, buddy. Yeah, we're excited uh, about having Brent here. He's got a lot going on. He's got a big year ahead of him. Where. He's going to get into that a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. our church is in some really important work in, in his life, and he's, it's been good to have him here as our church plant resident. So mm-hmm. why don't we get started? Yeah, he's actually the, th- what is it, the third guest that has ties to uh, Mercy Hill? Yeah, we, we're slowly yeah. my plan of tilting the podcast in a certain direction. Yeah, it is <laughs> tilting in a certain direction. <laughs> we're taking over. We're taking over. <laughs> We've got to, I've got to do some uh, planning here the planning. next week or two for the next ten or twenty interviews and see if we can swing back in another direction. Well, you keep just leaving these little gaps in here, and I'm like, I keep sending you these suggestions, and yeah, you keep taking them. So, well, you know, we enjoy podcast world. That's right. Well, we enjoyed right. having Mario. We had Mario here, yeah. And then we had uh, Jim. Uh huh. Jim slash Jimbo. Jimbo. Yep. Oh. Don't call him Jimmy, just like you don't call me Jimmy. That's right. If you haven't friend requested Jim, he's been pretty busy on Facebook right now, and <laughs> you can get a steady dose of uh, his one a.m. workouts. That's right, exactly. If you want it, he's he's definitely not lacking on the motivation factor. No, that's true. Yes. So. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, good. Well, uh, Brent, thanks for stopping by here today at the undisclosed location. So we're glad that you found it. 
Yeah, it was it was really hard to find. <laughs> really secret. Lots of winding turns. Secret passcodes. That's right. But I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, look forward to sharing some of uh, my story and, and experience and what we're doing. And I love this idea of a podcast of hope, sharing hope for mm-hmm. others, particularly people who may feel anxious or, or fearful or uh, have concern or even, even hopeless. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, there's enough to put scare out there. It's good to have something that's presenting hope sure. for people to share. Sure. And that's really I think what we should all be about, essentially. Could you um, just share a little bit with our listeners um, about your background, your, your family, and um, a little yeah. bit of what you're doing right now as we get started? Yeah, I I, um, I now live in New Jersey, but I, I'm not like most folks from New Jersey who have always lived in New Jersey. I grew up in the Midwest in southwestern Illinois. My father was a coal miner, and my mother was an office worker. And they divorced when I was in my teenage years, and that was quite a formative time uh, during my life. I'll get into that a little more later on. We, uh, I, I wound up going to school in Chattanooga at a school called Covenant College uh, and then felt the Lord call me to ministry. I, I was working with a, a church as a youth minister, and we went on a mission trip about one year after I'd been there, and 12 kids came to Christ as a part of that week. Mm. So I felt like that was a call to what I was supposed to do was to share the hope of Christ with, uh, with people. And so that's kind of how I got started into what I'm doing now. I'm currently an ordained, uh, PCA Presbyterian minister. We call it a teaching elder and I'm a church planting apprentice Hmm. here at Mercy Hill. I'm preparing to go and gather people for a new church plant work that will, will begin gathering uh, at the end of this year. So January, 2017, we'll start gathering people together praying, uh, encouraging each other, studying the Bible together, gathering to worship God, ultimately, eventually, to see the the start of a new church, uh, a church that will draw more people in Mm -hmm. to the hope Mm -hmm. of the gospel and the hope of Christ as well. Sure. That's that's exciting. I want to share a little on my family, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in a multi-ethnic family is what Mm -hmm. I call it. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife is Korean-American. She was born in Seoul and... They immigrated when she was three, and then we have adopted a little boy, our son, who is now three from China. Mm-hmm. And so I'm about as white as you can get being from the Midwest. And then my wife is Korean, and my son is Chinese ethnicity. So we uh, we stick out in a crowd most of the places <laughs> where we go. That's exciting. Yeah. We eat cool. lots of interesting food, too. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. That's really neat. Yeah. By the way, the coal mining background, I come from West Virginia, my grandfather. And so that's uh, it's an interesting, it's a tough, tough way of life. Yeah. My, gonna... Well, my father went from coal mining to now he is a railroad uh, mm-hmm. worker. So he's uh, definitely kept that blue collar, his hard work, good work ethic, mm-hmm. uh, Midwestern mm-hmm. Protestant work ethic values that have been passed along through generations. We have that as well. That's neat. Very good. And your wife's name is? My wife's name is Julie. Julie. And your son is Evan? Evan. 
Eben. Yeah. We picked Eben uh, from the Bible, from 1 Samuel, the story of where God gives the Israelites the victory over their enemies, the Philistines. And so Samuel places a stone of remembrance called an Ebenezer. Mm-hmm. And we sing it in the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We say, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And so my son loves that song now that he's figured out his name is in it. <laughs> but Ebenezer is just a remembering of God's help. Sure. And for us, in the process of raising financial support to do a church planting apprenticeship and ultimately church planting and adopting internationally at the same time was totally beyond our personal financial capacity. And just a reminder of mm-hmm. God's blessing and God's purposes that he provides a way and makes a way for what he wants to get done. Mm-hmm. So every time I mention my son's name, every time he says that, every time my wife, we mention it, we remember God's provision for us. Mm-hmm. And that encourages us and keeps us going in the task that God's given us. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Very good. Very good. Um, well, that's great. And, and uh, we, uh, the association that I work for, we also are very we realize church planting is a very important thing, and that's really the best way to reach people. The most effective way is by planting new churches. And so we certainly will be praying for that for you. And uh, so as you're, as you're thinking about that and thinking of the uh, sharing the gospel with them, it's, I'm sure one of the things that's going to be important for you is to be able to share your story as well of uh, how you have found hope in the gospel. So, you know, one of the things that we like to do here at the podcast is is to share stories of how people lost hope and then found it again. Is there something that you could share with us along that line today? Yeah, I think everybody has a time in which you have a, you know, we have terms of like a quarter-life crisis, a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. these kind of crises that come up where, we're, we're struck with the realities of life, whether we can go on, where our hope is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've certainly had my share of those uh, at different times. But I think the biggest time when I lost hope happened at the time when I was a teenager, when my parents were divorcing mm-hmm. and when everything that I knew in life at, up until that point was falling apart. And so a lot of those questions of how do I go on and what should I do were coming to my mind. And also being so young, just a lot of anger and angst came through. And and so as my parents were divorcing, I also had a friend whose parents were divorcing. And so we expressed our angst by finding, by finding our parents' liquor cabinets mm. and uh, wound up running down the wrong trails to try and find hope. Uh, but in a lot of hopelessness and a lot of anger and despair over what was going on around us, we turned to the wrong things and got ourselves in much greater trouble. I, I can remember still um, the spotlight from the police car shining out over the open farm field where I was hiding because I had been at a, a teenage party and uh, was trying to leave, actually. Uh, but as the the light shone on me, I knew I was busted and caught. And I, I got caught with an underage drinking citation. And in my small little town, that meant my name was getting published in the mm-hmm. newspaper. Of course. And everybody would know uh, who I was. And mm-hmm. so in the midst of and, – and I was a church kid. So 
how could a church kid do things like this? And how could I show my face again in church or among my peers at school or anywhere uh, now that I was this new identity, which was not who I was, but an identity of someone who was a rebel or who was lawless or who was always getting in trouble. So it felt hopeless. And uh, I didn't know where to turn, which way to go. What was really helpful to me was I heard a a message preached from the Bible uh, from Colossians 1. And in Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul writes about Christ, that in him all things hold together. And so for me, everything was falling apart. Uh, My family was falling apart. My standing or my identity even, what I thought it was, was falling apart. I couldn't hold my family together. I couldn't present a false front. I couldn't even go forward. But if all things hold together in Christ, then maybe Christ can hold me together as well. Hmm. And, And so for me, that was really, though I had been to church, though I had heard the Bible taught and and had been told that I ought to pray, I ought to receive Christ, I ought to follow Jesus. That was the point where really I decided, you know, I can't continue following these other paths. I can't continue going this way. I really have to let Jesus hold things together for me. And that Mm -hmm. meant letting go of so many things. And Mm -hmm. that meant trusting in Christ. And that meant Mm -hmm. doing things his way even. And, and believing the Bible and walking according to the scriptures even. So for me, that was the biggest point of hopelessness. And there's definitely been certain times in life. I mean, even this last week, dealing with an illness, dealing with, I, I preached a message on Sunday at our church that I think went really badly. Uh, dealing with all those things of just despair over who I am, what I've done, where I'm going. Uh, so it, it's not like it's just a perfect path, but the centering on Christ is where hope really comes from for me. Mm-hmm. And where I think it really rests for all of us is that Christ holds all things together. In him we live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. It's um, Thinking back and growing up on the farm, I can imagine, you know, we you get out into a large field like that, and it's amazing how that police car spotlight can find you in the middle of that thing. You know, yeah, just... I had no idea they'd find me. I thought I had a good spot. <laughs> but it's a good a thing way. they found me, though. I needed yeah. to be found. And there are quite a few analogies there as well. How yeah. We can think we can run from God. and you know. yeah. um, Just thinking back over your parents' divorce, I'm sure there were a lot of different things that you went through, a lot of thoughts and things. Um, did you ever feel like you were – all of that was maybe your fault? Was that one of the things that you went through at that time? Yeah, it definitely was. I remember being a small child, maybe seven or eight, and having a nightmare. And I, I, the way I remember it, I burst into my parents' room early in the morning, and they were still asleep. And I said, "Promise me you'll never, you'll never leave, and you'll never get a divorce." Mm. I remember them. I think they were half asleep, but promising that they would never get a divorce. And so, when they did divorce, for me, I felt I definitely felt some of it was my fault. I also felt accusatory. I really laid the blame on my mother. Mm. And so I really reacted unfairly and unjustly to her, Mm -hmm. said things I shouldn't have said, did not respect her, did not treat her well as she deserved. 
her steadfastness in loving me in the midst of that even is, is one mm. element of here's a way of showing our hope is rooted not in our circumstances, but in an eternal perspective, in a mm. bigger goal. Uh, but, yeah, there were certainly blame myself. Well, gee, maybe if I had said said this better or gotten a better grade or uh, what did I do wrong that would cause my parents to, to divorce? And the reality is there's nothing a kid can do mm-hmm. or a kid has done. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, parents would rather – not divorce because of of their children would rather care for their children so oftentimes that's the case in divorce kids will blame themselves kids will feel stressed and anxious because they have no control and no say in the situation the anxiety and the fear can can take over mm-hmm. i think when i talk with children of divorce now that's a common theme that comes out and I believe my story of how finding hope in Christ holding things together is particularly helpful to children of broken homes who know that they can't hold it together. Mm -hmm. I I honestly think that's one of the big reasons why the millennial generation doesn't want to get married at as much of a rate is they just feel like it's hopeless or they don't have any real purpose in doing so. Mm -hmm. But when you understand Christ is holding things together and in control even where we are not – Mm-hmm. then there is purpose and meaning to all kinds of things in life, but certainly including marriage, including having a family, including living hopefully and often a hopeless world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. So how, how uh, moving forward, how does that background impact your relationship today with your, your wife, um, uh, does she have a similar background or are her parents still married and has your family of origin? How has that impact, impacted you guys and your, your marriage? Although I'm sure you have a, you have a perfect marriage. And, oh yeah. We never fight. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we fight, we fight <laughs> at least weekly, uh, but we, we try and have good fights. Mm-hmm. We've been married almost seven years. It'll be seven years next month. Mm-hmm. And, one of the things that in the seven years we've learned or we're coming to learn is that we've, we've been married long enough that we have almost a caricature of our spouse, of what we think they're going to say or do mm-hmm. before they say or do it. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes our fights come because we're reacting to that caricature. Mm-hmm. So what we do is then we, we sit down and we think about it and we go, wait, wait, wait. And was I fighting you or this caricature that I've drawn in my mind? <laughs> and we're able to talk it through. And, and particularly we have a, we'll call it an open relationship, but we don't mean it in that way. We mean it in the sense that we have no secrets. If we think something, we share it. If we feel something, we share it. And it's there on the value of, I think this way, I feel this way, I want to do this. And, and we'll discuss it and work it through and pray through it together. My wife's family background, Koreans don't really divorce. Mm-hmm. They just separate. Mm-hmm. And that was my wife's family background. Her mm-hmm. father left the family uh, about the time that she was in middle school. And so we both are coming from trying to construct a marriage and a life together out of situations where we haven't seen it really exemplified well, at least not up close in our family of origin. But one thing we've done is we've taken the word divorce off the table. That's not an option for us. We mm-hmm. made a promise and a covenant before God, between each other, and before many witnesses that 
till death do us part, we are going to be together. Mm-hmm. So taking that off the table, it's not an option. So we have to figure out how to love one another, how to serve one another, how to care for one another, how to make this work, not just for seven years, but for 50 years or 60 years or as long as we have together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I think you, um, and I appreciate that, and don't you wish that more Christian couples had that Absolutely. similar commitment? Absolutely. And so as you as I think back to how you began and, and uh, that verse, how that impacted your life whenever you're, your parents first divorced and how Christ holds everything together. I'm sure reflecting on that in your marriage as well is really central to that also. You Especially know. when you're such a bonehead like me. Uh, I have to always come well, back and say. Well, just remember, there's an audience of three here. So, so <laughs> and, and we're both all of men, so we all know what and being I, a bonehead is. And I know the is. guy behold the, behind the control panel there, so he... Um, <laughs> And he, I think he has some of my DNA, so you're in very good company. <laughs> right. Well, it's always good for men to, to apologize uh, early and often yes. to your wives. They're usually more correct than we give them credit for and, mm-hmm. and also more patient and more forbearing. At least my wife is than mm-hmm. what I often give her credit for. It does me well to think quickly, where am I wrong in this mm-hmm. more than where am I right? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And for me and... And probably for Scott as well, we also remember that we both definitely married up. Right. Several pay grades above our level. So, God is good. Yes, he is. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, that is definitely true. So as you think forward to the church that you're thinking of planting, um, how, do you, how do you envision offering hope to, to those that you seek to, to reach? You know, in the area of uh, marriages as, as well as offering hope in other, other ways. Well, I think in our region here in, in uh, southern New Jersey, we're in the Northeast Corridor, mm-hmm. which is where the most people, most population density in the entire country. And with that brings a certain culture to it, a culture of busyness or of rush or of even if we're not all that busy in terms of things we actually have to do, we don't really have a lot of time for one another. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the messages uh, of the gospel would, would call us to slow down, would call us to spend more time together, listening and caring for one another. Uh, oftentimes what happens in a rush is we hurt people. You know, one of the biggest things about driving in New Jersey is cutting people off. And that certainly happens while driving, but I think we cut each other off in conversation We cut each other off in time of life spent together. Uh, We cut each other off in relationship in in similar ways. I got cut off on the way down here today, and it elicits a response. And Mm -hmm. that can drive separation and and wedges of separation between people and communities and and one another. Mm -hmm. I I think that's definitely heightened in our area. Mm -hmm. And their sense of hopelessness and despair would be seen kind of in a sense of cut off or isolation from Mm -hmm. others that I've got mine and my family and I don't need anyone else at the table because they're going to hurt me. Sure. Sure. So the invitation of the gospel is the invitation to, to let people in, to let Christ in, right? Uh, Revelation says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And if you'll open the door, he'll come in with you. So one of the big challenge to people in Southern New Jersey is to open the door and to let someone come in 
to let Jesus come in, certainly, but also to open the door and bring your neighbors in. So one of the things we've been trying to do is to engage our neighbors, invite them over for dinner. And we often find that that reciprocates in an invitation to their place for dinner. Mm -hmm. And we have conversation over dinner. We have time to build friendships and to get to know one another and certainly to share the hope of Christ that we have. So as we think about planting a church, we want to share this hope and we want to share this hope, not just in individually, but for communities. Mm -hmm. So as we think about church planting, that's where, that's where we're hoping to go. Mm -hmm. Share the love of Christ, building community, building hospitality, among believers and non-believers together because we, we believe that the gospel is the truth mm-hmm. and that the, uh, the truth prevails over the darkness. So the darkness of isolation, which can lead to, I've mentioned alcohol abuse in my past, but also drug abuse, which is a major, major problem in our country, but definitely in our area mm-hmm. here. Um, a lot of times it's exasperated, exasperated, made bigger by isolation. Families that are struggling through addiction or, or have a uh, family member who's wrestling with addiction feel isolated and alone. So mm-hmm. having an open community that can listen to one another, that can speak to one another and, and console one another, uh, Lord willing, opens up mm-hmm. channels from despair to having hope, a hope mm-hmm. that's centered on Christ, holding all things together, even my isolation, my despair, my loneliness, my hurt, that draws me out into a community of people who have experienced isolation, despair, hurt, Mm -hmm. but are centered on Christ and Mm -hmm. on his promises and on his good work in our behalf. That's great. Very good. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who was cut off this morning. (laughs) I was heading to the office in Clayton and cut off right in front of the Dunkin' Donuts on Delcy Drive. And then I realized once I gathered my wits about me, she probably just needed her coffee. And after that, she probably drove a little better. A friend of mine has a a (laughs) saying he's trying to get a hashtag going since there's grace for that too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that works for driving. But often my thought is, you know, that works for the other person. But I got to think there's grace for me too. Yeah. Yeah, well, me, I have to remember. I have to extend, remember to extend grace in those situations instead of hitting the horn so quickly. Because right. <laughs> the look on her face was, I know I shouldn't have done that. Right, but, yeah, right. Very good. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming and sharing with us today. Um, are you at the place yet of where you have any information that's available about the, the church plant, or is that something that will be coming out later on? Um, yeah, that would be coming a formative this later time. on. We haven't we haven't released any of that yet. We're we're still in a church planting apprenticeship here at Mercy Hill for uh, the next four months through the mm-hmm. end of the year. Uh, in that time, we're going to start gathering some people together, and we'll have some more movement going along that way. I have a little bit of work to do with our presbytery, with our regional body of churches, just mm-hmm. to make sure that I dot the I and cross the T, sure. and we're. Mm-hmm. solidly good to go, but we're definitely moving in that direction. Right. Well, we know that they're a very good group about making sure those things are dotted and crossed. That's mm-hmm. principal mark of Presbyterianism. That's exactly. <laughs> Decently and in order. That's right. <laughs> well, Mr. Uh, technical Director, we'll have to make sure to add him to the invite list to come back and That's right. share as that gets going a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you again for coming today and um, – and blessing us this way. 
Well, thanks for having me. It's good to sit down and good to sit and talk with you guys, definitely with microphones in front of our face, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> very good. So uh, thank you for that. And we'll make sure to have your contact information in our uh, show notes. So thank you all for downloading this episode. By the way, before we go, I have a little something I'd like to announce. Um, the last uh, year or two, as I would go, as I speak in various places, one of the books that I reference is a book called The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. And I just saw that um, that book has been, uh, a movie has been made of that book. And there is going to be one showing of that movie. It's going to be on August the 30th. It is a one-night showing, one time. And if you would go to the website, theinsanityofgod.com, you will be able to find where that will be showing across the country. In this part of New Jersey, in southern New Jersey, it's going to be shown at the Carmike Theater up in Voorhees at 7 o'clock on August the 30th. So if you are in this area... And have downloaded the podcast, I would strongly urge you to go and see this movie. Nick Ripkin is um, a pseudo name. This uh, pastor, he and his wife have spent many years visiting persecuted Christians in Muslim countries. And so it's a message that I have a sense will be kind of a tough one to see and hear. But it is a, uh, it's a great opportunity to see it. A fantastic movie, the testimonials. By the way, I think David Platt has a closing word after the film is over. So I strongly urge you to check that out. The uh, website is insanityofgodmovie.com. Oh, Insanity of God Movie. Thank you very much for that correction. Um, But we, um, Luann and I, I think we're going to be going to see it, so we encourage you to go see it as well. So thank you again for... Uh, downloading this episode, by the way, as we often do uh, on these podcasts, if you are someone who is in need of help and encouragement and you do not have a pastor that you can talk with, we encourage you to contact CCEF. Uh, we will have the phone number in the show notes, and you can call them, and they may be able to help you find a pastor in your area if you're struggling with anxiety and depression. So thank you again for downloading this episode. I think this is episode 23. So thanks for listening. Brent, thanks for coming today. Episode 23. I'm a Illinois native, Chicago fan. That's Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famer, second oh baseman boy. for the Cubs. Yeah, who came from where? Oh, yeah, he was traded from the Philadelphia that's right. Phillies, that's, right? I just, just want and you to pick that's that up. That's a good point. Yes. And uh, and Michael Jordan, obviously, as well. So what there an episode. This is a legendary for, episode. There you go. Thanks. Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> Thanks that's, for having me on this legendary episode. And this definite, it's definitely epic. It is, it is. It's definitely epic. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you the next time.
about to be like episode 26. <laughs>